welcome back to the Australian Rotary Health podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and joining us today on episode 59 is Dr. Michelle Tai and Dr. Lauren McGillivray from the Black Dog Institute. Michelle was awarded an Australian Rotary Health Research Grant from 2020 to 2021 for a project called the Lifebuoy app, a randomized controlled trial of an mHealth intervention to help young people manage suicidal thoughts. Michelle and Lauren have both been working on the Lifebuoy app intervention since 2018. So thanks, Michelle and Lauren, for joining the podcast today. How are you both going? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having us along as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Jessica. Yeah, well, that's, that's good to hear. Um, so suicide is a, a very important issue in our community that research such as both of yours is aiming to address. And your focus has been particularly on young people. Um, can you tell us why it's important to focus on young people in suicide prevention research? Yeah, sure. I'll take this one. Um, so we do need um, suicide prevention efforts specifically targeted young people because suicide is the leading cause of death in young Australians aged 15 to 24 years um, and that unfortunate statistic has been around for many years. Um, we also know that adolescents and young adults have the highest rates of hospital presenting self-harm in Australia um, relative to any other age group. Um, and on top of all that, around one in five young people experience um, suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts. Um, recently, we know that the COVID pandemic has had some adverse impacts for young people, um, particularly around um, hospital presenting self-harm. So rates of um, presentations have more than doubled um, since the start of the pandemic. And unfortunately, we've seen some of the largest increases in young females aged 13 to 17. Um, I guess I'm talking about ideation and self-harm because they are useful targets for suicide prevention. Um, we know that both of those um, increase the risk of suicide death by around twofold. Um, so if we can, I guess, intervene effectively um, in those kind of antecedent behaviours, um, then we have this good opportunity to save lives. Um, yeah. And just, I guess, in terms of this project, we know that um, in young people, um, mental illness and mental disorder tend to kind of onset and escalate during adolescence. And that really kind of coincides with that peak period for um, intentional self-harm and for suicidal ideation. Um, a lot of, I guess, interventional research um, historically has focused on the treatment and prevention of um, specific mental health disorders, um, particularly depression and anxiety. But more and more, um, we know that if we want to impact and reduce um, suicidal thoughts and behaviours specifically, then we really need interventions that are, I guess, purpose designed to treat those kind of, the kind of core processes and the mechanisms that kind of underpin suicidal thoughts and behaviours. So things like really poor um, or low distress tolerance and poor emotional regulation. Um, so making, I guess, treatment available on digital devices um, like smartphones or computers can really help to reduce um, the severity of suicidal thoughts. Um, a lot of that evidence is for adults. So um, I guess there are a few knowledge gaps around young people and how the, how sort of digital interventions can work for them. And that's where our project comes in. So um, it really is designed to address some gaps in the kind of availability of um, well-designed um, and um, rigorously tested interventions for young people um, 
in the digital space because we know that young people are really willing to engage with technology for kind of mental health and wellbeing purposes. Yeah, yeah, such an important area. And yeah, so much. Um, yeah, it's good that you're addressing that gap there. Um, and your research project is um, looking specifically at the effectiveness of a smartphone app called Lifeboy. Um, so that's really just to help people manage their suicidal thoughts. Uh, could you talk us through what a young person can expect if they decide to use this app? Sure, I'll, I'll go through this one. Um, so Lifeboy is a brief self-guided app. It contains seven modules and that's where the main learning content is delivered. Each module takes about five to 10 minutes to complete, but it's designed so that young people can go back and repeat um, activities again and again. Um, so a young person learns, um, they can expect to learn various skills and strategies via interactive features in the app, most of which are based on dialectical behaviour therapy. Um, so these skills are things such as the self-soothing, distress, distress tolerance and emotion regulation. Um, so the app also contains uh, a toolbox and this has distraction techniques and shortcuts um, to distress management tools. There's also a mood tracker where the young person can record their mood and associated behaviours to observe any patterns in um, the weeks and months that they use it. Um, we also have help provision via direct call out to national crisis lines um, around Australia and there's a self safety planning feature so young people can create an individualised safety plan for coping um, and seeking help during the suicidal crisis and they can choose to share this with their personal or professional support network if they if they want to do so. Um, so overall it's quite a visually engaging app. Um, it's not clinical in appearance at all rather it's based on a nautical theme which has quite bright and cheerful colours. Um, so we chose this partly um, based on the end user perspectives that we captured through focus groups and surveys. So essentially young people themselves helped to design and shape um, the app in what would be most appealing to them. Yeah, yeah, well, it definitely sounds like a very comprehensive app and yeah, something that would be really interesting to young people. So yeah, that sounds really great. And I also noticed that you mentioned um, dialectical behavioural therapy, and that was sort of the main, um, some of the principles from that that you've been using in the app. Um, and I guess many interventions that we do see tend to use cognitive behavioural therapy or, or CBT as the main sort of therapeutic modality because of all the evidence behind it. Um, I guess, um, you know, why did you decide to um, choose DBT um, in this intervention? Yeah, so dialectical behaviour therapy or DBT is it's multi-component cognitive behavioural treatment. So it's designed to reduce self-harm and suicidal behaviours and it focuses on teaching those skills such as um, enhancing emotion regulation, adaptive distress tolerance and building a life worth living. So there is a lot of research on DBT and it's shown to be one of the most effective therapeutic approaches for treating um, people experiencing suicidal thoughts and behaviours. And this evidence consistently shows that it um, results in moderate to large effect sizes for reductions in suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts in young people specifically. So that's why we chose DBT. Um, there is a small element of the acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT in the app. And this is really to encourage uh, behavior change. So ACT helps people behave in ways that are consistent with their values. So um, we've added a value-based module to help young people identify what really matters to them um, and then set goals against, um, against these. Yeah, okay, great. Um, could you walk us through some of the main aims or hypotheses um, of the project and how you went about testing them? 
Okay, so I guess going back to that idea about addressing kind of evidence gaps around whether digital interventions can form effective components of youth suicide prevention efforts. Um, in this particular study, our kind of main aim was to investigate whether the Lifebuoy um, smartphone intervention um, could lead to greater reductions in the severity of suicidal ideation um, compared to a, essentially a non-therapeutic um, control group. So the control group got a non-therapeutic app, which looked like Lifebuoy. Um, so it visually looked like Lifebuoy, but the content wasn't based on a kind of proven therapeutic model. It was just um, sort of contained content related to general kind of mental health or kind of peripheral kind of concepts related to mental health, I should say. So um, I think that's probably worth digging into just a little bit and I hope it's okay. But I guess the reason that we chose this design um, with that particular kind of placebo app was to control for um, what's been coined as digital placebo effects. Um, and if we can control for those kind of digital placebo effects and it just gives us a bit more confidence in the kind of the validity of our findings. Um, so um, particularly whether the Lifebuoy kind of, if the Lifebuoy app was shown to sort of lead to greater reductions in suicidal ideation than the then in the control group, we could sort of attribute that a bit more to the kind of therapeutic kind of underpinnings of the app. Um, and the kind of digital kind of placebo effect um, occurs because um, I guess when you're delivering digital interventions into groups who have a high affinity with technology, um, they might expect to see benefits just by simply kind of having access to an kind of an app, um, regardless of whether that app is actually designed to be therapeutic or not. Um, I guess so giving both groups an app and particularly an app that looked the same, as I said before, it, it just gives us that bit more confidence that we can, um, that our kind of, the kind of effort that we put into designing the app and kind of building it on proven therapeutic models um, was worth it. Um, so um, I guess while the primary outcome was suicidal ideation, we were also interested in understanding if the app could um, reduce um, general kind of symptoms of mental health, so particularly around depression, anxiety and psychological distress. Um, we did test the two apps against each other in a randomised controlled trial. Um, we recruited young adults aged 18 to 25 who um, had experienced suicidal ideation within the past 12 months from the community, so it wasn't a clinical sample. Um, and we really kind of I guess, um, promoted the trial online via social media. Um, the app was accessed through the app store. We really wanted to kind of mimic the conditions um, in the way that the intervention would be delivered in the community if it was found to be effective. Um, and in both groups, they had access to their apps for six weeks. Um, and then they obviously were assessed before they got the intervention to kind of gauge their baseline characteristics and then um, at the end of six weeks and then we did a final follow-up um, at three months post-intervention just to see if um, any of the effects were maintained um, over a bit of a longer term. Yeah and I guess what were some of the main findings that came out of the research? Yeah so <laughs> um, we did find that the severity of suicidal ideation did decrease for both conditions over time um, but much to our relief, um, the reductions were significantly greater in the life boy condition um, relative to the control group. So um, 
in terms of our main outcome, um, the app look to work, which is exciting. Um, but for the mental health outcomes, um, so for all of them, depression, anxiety and distress, um, while we did see general reductions in symptom severity over time for both groups, um, there wasn't any kind of superior effects in the life boy group, so they didn't do any better than the control group on those measures. Um, so they're the main, I guess, findings. And I think the other notable thing was around engagement. So the study seems to show that this is a really acceptable and engaging intervention um, for young people. So we had over 70% of participants actually in both of our groups who ended up completing five, at least five of the seven modules, which is sort of our baseline for completion. Um, so yeah, so that that's kind of unusually good engagement, um, which was exciting to see. Yeah, great. Yeah, it sounds like some some really good findings there. And I guess what are sort of um, maybe some of the broader implications that you see coming out of this research project? Yeah, um, so I guess even though Lifeboy is quite a brief um a brief intervention and it is self-guided. So it really, I guess, relies on the end user to be accountable to sort of completing the intervention. Um, the app really looks like it could be a potentially useful kind of therapeutic support for young people in the community, um, particularly for those who might be unable or unwilling to access face-to-face -face treatment for um, suicidal ideation or suicidal distress. Um, we, I think it's worth kind of, um, I guess, honing in on that specific effect for suicidal ideation um, and really finding no effect for mental health um, because that does seem to come up a little bit more and more in the literature. So that really suggests that I think particularly with brief unsupervised digital therapeutics that they might have quite a limited range, um, I guess, to impact multiple even kind of often highly comorbid behaviours like mental health and, and suicidal ideation. Um, so we really need to be thinking about how we kind of purpose design these tools to be effective. So if we want them to be effective, I think they really need to be um, designed for a particular health outcome. Um, but we do need to understand that effect a little bit more. Um, but it is important in terms of how we go out to market with these tools. So for life, both for Lifeboy, for example, we wouldn't want to, um, I guess, market it as a kind of general mental health therapeutic um, where we might get young people with depression or anxiety kind of using it in the wild to little or no effect. Like we really want to market it to people um, experiencing ideation. Yeah. Um, and I guess one other thing that I do want to speak to, and I haven't mentioned it before, but it was just that, I guess, a bit of a surprising finding that most of our samples, so around 90%, um, were actually already in treatment or had previously engaged in face-to-face -face treatment. Um, and I guess that was a little bit unexpected to us because we thought, I guess a lot of the kind of potential for digital therapeutics is to reach, I guess, the unreachable um, people who are usually unwilling um, to engage with treatment, but that's not who we ended up recruiting. Um, and in one sense, that suggests to us that digital therapeutics could be um, a really kind of useful adjunct to treatment um, rather than a kind of an effective standalone treatment. Um, but we, I guess, need to investigate further who digital interventions really kind of appeal to um, and who they work for. And are they only going to work for people who have been experienced? 
exposed to kind of treatment previously. Um, we also need to understand the barriers to why people who um, haven't sought help previously um, are still kind of reluctant to engage with um, digital therapeutics. And again, all of that information is really kind of critical to understanding how we how we translate these into the real world, what settings should we target um, and kind of how do we kind of market these to kind of reach those who can really benefit from them. Yeah, well, it sounds like there's, yeah, a lot of um, research questions that have come up for you. Yes. And I guess I'm wondering what's next for the app and is there any other further research in the works currently? So following the trial that we, that Michelle just ran through, um, the app's actually undergone some redevelopment based on findings from interviews um, with life work participants, as well as we recruited three youth advisors with the lived experience of suicide to help. Um, and mostly this has really led to um, expanded content and the addition of some new features in the app, such as more tracking features. Um, we also developed a digital engagement strategy to go along with the app. So this is where we've adapted and extended some of the um, app content to be, sorry, to be delivered online via Instagram and a series of blogs. Um, so this is to provide additional information and skills uh, to complement the app. So we did this mainly because the interviews um, from the first trial revealed that young people really wanted more information and more depth of information. So we're trying to meet the, the needs of young people in respect to, to how they want to receive information as well. So via social media. Um, we're currently actually testing this modified app now um, and the engagement strategy in a new trial. So if this is shown to work, um, the app will move into the research translation pipeline at Black Dog Institute um, and then it'll be made available to the public. So that's exciting because then young people um, in need will have access to it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds yeah so exciting and, and such an important area as well. Um, and I'm sure that um, our Rotary audience will be very excited to hear about these findings and, and see it go out to the community as well. Um, I, I guess if there is one thing that you could say to our Rotary audience, um, they're the ones behind all the funding that Australian Rotary Health gives out. Um, what, what would it be? Can I say, well, two things? Because firstly, I just, I feel like I really want to say thank you to Rotary Health. Um, I think without without this kind of amazing funding scheme, none of this research would have been possible. Um, so that's that. <laughs> but secondly, I guess my message would be that um, I guess it's really important for researchers who are working in the mental health field to have access to um, a grant scheme that's really, I guess, essentially dedicated to improving the mental health of young Australians. Um, I guess it goes without saying that kind of mental illness is really kind of one of the leading causes of disease burden in Australia. Um, youth represents a kind of really key kind of period of vulnerability to the onset and escalation of mental illness. Um, so being able to kind of intervene effectively during childhood and adolescence um, is critical to the prevention of morbidity and mortality outcomes. And research is, is really kind of one of the key solutions to kind of managing that kind of escalating burden of mental health. Um, but unfortunately, 
unfortunately it is an area that kind of can be quite often overlooked in medical research funding schemes um, and that only serves to make the funding that Rotary Health provides even more critical um, building capacity and researchers to kind of better understand how to um, prevent and treat mental health um, and the related issues like like suicidal ideation and self-harm is how we're going to improve um, health outcomes for young Australians and to save lives so I just hope that the Rotary Health um, funding scheme is around for a long, long time to come. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Michelle and Lauren, um, for joining me on the podcast. And, and thank you for, for the important work that you're doing as well and, and sharing your research with us today. Um, was there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, I think I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> no, just thank you. thank you. It's been an honour. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, well, thank you again. That was the 59th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like this by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.